we just took part in communion. Jesus called himself the bread of life. This is my body broken for you. Broken symbolizing the cross. This is my body broken for you. He is the bread of life. He is what we need to survive. He is our nourishment. He is our food. We are to take him in and digest him. Well, what do you, how can we do that? How, you know, sometimes our minds, our, our, our human carnal minds can't comprehend these things. And so we need to break that down and to, to digest that a little bit. The Bible says, taste and see that I am good. Taste and see, as if we, we've talked about this before, as if we would, we just celebrated Thanksgiving, yeah? And oh, we sat at the table, mm -mm -mm. all the good stuff, mama had, I'm going to get sidetracked, all the good stuff that the mama mostly or the family has prepared, and mm, you've been smelling it for hours, putting up with those doggone parades, oh, I know you guys all love those parades. And you taste it, and it is good. It is good. And it's the same way with God. Maybe there are some of you here who have never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And he says, taste and see that I am good. Try it. <laughs> you'll like it. Try it. You'll like it. You know? And at first we may be we wade in a little bit and into this water, if you will, right? And, and, and we're ankle deep, yeah? We're ankle deep, and then, and then we, we want to know him more. Isn't it funny how the gospel is so simple that even the youngest child can understand it? And yet it's as we grow in maturity in Christ the gospel just seems to reveal more and more new stuff. Did you ever notice that? I read that verse before. I've read the verse a hundred times, and then here it is, and it's just bright, and it's, it's new, and it's beautiful to me. 30, 40 years later that I've been a Christian, in those verses, the word of God comes alive in my life. And I noticed something that I never noticed before. as we would take in a meal, as we would take in nutrition, things to nourish our bodies, to help keep us healthy, keep us strong, we take in the Word of God. We take in His presence. How many of you know there's nothing like being in the presence of God? When you're weak and you're weary, the presence of God lifts your countenance. It encourages you. It strengthens you. It gives you guidance. It gives you hope. And hope, the Bible says, does not disappoint us. It does not disappoint us. The Bible says these three things remain. What are they? Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. 
Hmm. Taste. <laughs> I would challenge you. Taste and see that He is good. We are in the Advent season right now and preparing for Christmas. Amen. One of the most what would you say, materialized um, holidays of the year. Even we as Christians fall into this trap, don't we? That we, we kind of get caught up in the buying of gifts and making sure we got the right gift, you know, for our husbands and wives and for our kids and, and uh, it's so easy to get caught up in these things. And then there's all the... Uh, the weight of all the expenditures, right? And we got the financial weight. How are we going to do all this? And maybe, maybe some of us have overspent even a little bit. Okay? It's real easy to buy with plastic. And then you pay for it later. Literally. Right? And so we get, we get caught up in these things. But the word advent... If you, if you look at it, the word is originated from the Latin word that means, that says advenio, okay? And that basically means coming to. So Advent season is coming up to, coming to the birth of Christ. So it's the pre-Christmas and through Christmas celebration. During Advent, we celebrate the coming to the birth of Christ Jesus. And I would venture to say, the greatest gift that was ever given. The greatest gift that was ever given. God's plan of salvation, right? He had a plan, was laid out in prophecy in the Old Testament Scriptures. Do you know that there's around 400, 400 prophecies, okay, in the Old Testament pointing to and telling of Jesus Christ's birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, and his return. 400. And Jesus Christ fulfills them all. God had a plan to redeem his people, to buy us back. When we take cans back, or bottles, right? We take them to a redemption center or to a, you know, a place where you give the cans and you get back money, right? What a great deal that is, okay? So you give your cans in and, and, and you take back money, right? And so you've redeemed the cans. And in a sense, we have been redeemed by Christ the Lord. We have been bought back from sin. We have been bought with a price. What was the price that was paid for our sin, for our souls to be bought back? That was Jesus Christ the Lord. Jesus Christ the Lord. And so God's plan of salvation was foretold through prophecy in the Old Testament Scriptures. 
And the fulfillment began with the birth of Jesus Christ on Christmas. And though we've celebrated Christmas so many, so many times, some of us more than others, <clears throat> we, we remember and we celebrate the birth of Christ Jesus. This little baby that changed history. Have you thought about that? This little baby changed history. There's a song out there. I really do like the song. But in the song, it says that this, this little child that changed the world, that says all the others could do the same thing. It's not like that. No one else could have done what he did. No one else could have done that. This baby was no ordinary baby. It was no ordinary baby. This baby grew up, lived a sinless life. Yeah? Sinless. Lived to be 33 and a half years old. He died on a cross. He preached the gospel, which means good news. Good news of salvation from sins through him. Matthew 1.23, if you want to turn there. My whole message has changed this morning. Matthew chapter 1. Verse 23. It says, look... The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. It means God with us. God has come to earth in human flesh. And it's hard, again, for us to conceive this, but... In this baby is complete deity, which means God, right? Deity, God of God, divine, okay? In this baby was complete God and complete man. Okay? God with us, Emmanuel. And in Luke chapter 2, Verse 14, I hear those pages turning. I like it. It's getting now so that everybody's got it on their phone or their iPads, you know, so you don't hear as much turning. But there you still those little page turners from time to time we still hear. I like it. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 14. It says, Glory to God in the highest, And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. (laughs) Peace to men. On earth, peace. And there's been songs that are are sung of it around this Christmas season. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, you know. And a lot of people think that that's goodwill towards your fellow man, your brothers and your sisters. And you see somebody on the street and you say, happy, I mean, you say, Merry Christmas. You say, uh, 
whatever, right? But that, that's not really what that's saying. This is saying peace between God and man. Between God and man, because the chasm of sin has separated us from God. But Jesus Christ bridged that gap. He bridged that gap between God and men. And through his life and his death on a cross, his burial and his hallelujah resurrection we are put back in right standing with God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Hallelujah, there is freedom. It doesn't say that there's religion. It doesn't say that there's church. It says that there is freedom. There's freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. the greatest gift that could ever be given, that will ever be given, came, and think about this, came and was born where? In in a manger, in a what? Stable, right? Now, just in case you've forgotten, a stable is a place where animals live. It stinks there, okay? And the place where Jesus was laid is the box that feeds the animals. How humble is that? That, that, That's kind of a rub, isn't it? Well, why wasn't the king, why wasn't our king? You would think a king would be sent with royalty, in robes and, and born in a castle with great parades and, and all these things. Why did he have to be born in, in of all places, a stinky manger in, in a stable? Why? And they wouldn't even give him room in, in one of the inns. You could go out back. It's the best we got. Passover's happening. Too many people around. We don't have enough rooms. You can stay out back where the animals stay. But God had a plan. God had a plan. Why is it so important that we take notice of these things? And if you think about it again, who was the message given to to proclaim the birth of the Son of God? It was given to who? Shepherds. And we know, we've talked about this enough before, that shepherds back then were not the most upright people. They were liars. They were thieves. They were not looked upon in a positive light at all. Okay? They were dirty and stinky because where did they stay? Always with the sheep. They slept where the sheep slept. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so the most important message that was ever given, the birth of the Christ child, was given to these lowly people, the humblest of people. The message is if there is, if all of this happened in these humble terms, there is hope 
for the sinner. Because if he was born in a royal palace with all these um, great processions and horns uh, being blown and all these things, you would have to be some sort of royalty or, or something like that or pay a great deal to have access to this king, this child. But here it is. He's born in, of all places, a stable in a, in a place where the animals fed themselves and it's stinky there he's born in these humble surroundings and the message of his birth was given to the most humble of shepherds to proclaim the birth of the christ child friends when you understand that it's this is done for us so that we can have access to the very throne room, the holy of holies, through Jesus Christ, the Lord. There is no, you can't come in here. There is no, you're not holy enough to come in here. There is no, you're not royalty, you can't come in here. There is no, you don't have enough coinage to get in here. It's come in. (laughs) Come in, friends. Come in, children. It's all accessible to us. Isn't that beautiful? It's so beautiful. And he lived a a life not with riches. All right? He lived and he worked in a carpenter shop making things. He didn't have a lot of money. They probably would have not had a lot to give at the the offerings and different things like that and sacrifices. They would have been a family that probably maybe would have given doves for the poorer families would give doves and, and, and things like that. In John chapter 8, verse 12, would you turn there with me? John chapter 8, verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Friends, do you have the light of life in you? That Christmas, Jesus This baby was born of a humble young woman who was a virgin. Now, wait a second. I know how things work, and that ain't it. (laughs) Okay? But God is asking us to believe that. And because he said it, we believe it. He was born of a virgin named Mary. He is the light of the world. Whoever follows him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you have that light of life in you? Do you have Jesus in you? 
Many people today are not satisfied knowing that they need a Savior. They don't want to be told they are sinners. They don't want to be told, we don't want to be told often, that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, that we must do something to overcome the power of sin in our lives. We need something to wash away our sin. No, I don't want to answer to that. I don't want to believe that I need a Savior. I don't want to believe that there's a God who tells me there's things that I shouldn't do or that I must do for that matter. All right? The attitude of the world today. Would you turn with me to John? Chapter 3, verse 19. And so, this is the verdict, it says. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. Isn't that where we live right now? Isn't that where we live today? This is the verdict. Light has come into the world. Light being who? Jesus. Okay? Light has come into the world, but people loved the darkness. They loved their evil rather than the light because they were evil, because they loved the darkness. People don't want to have to answer to anyone. I am my own boss. I'll get there my own way. Did you ever hear that? I'll get to heaven my own way. I have my own religion. Well, where the heck did you get that? I have my own religion. Have you ever heard that? Hmm? The Bible is our GPS. <laughs> All right? It tells us where to go and how to get there. The Bible says in Psalm 119, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It shows us where to go in the darkness. It lights up the way to go, friends. But the world doesn't want that light. It doesn't want anything or anyone to tell them where to go that you need a savior, you're a sinner. I have my own way to be righteous. Well, maybe you do. But the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags before God in his sight. The best that we could ever hope to offer God that would give us the right to go to be with him in heaven the best that we could ever hope to do. Well, I go to church every Sunday. Sorry, that's not it. I, I do all these great things. I give to these different organizations. That's great, but it's not it. I'm, I'm a really nice person, and I'm very nice to everybody. I don't swear. That's not it either. 
And what it comes down to, friends, if you were to add all this stuff and, and put a big underline there, a big equal sign, what have you done with Jesus? What have you done with Jesus? Is the qualifying factor. Okay? Light has come into the world, but people loved their darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Light has come into the world through a little baby born of a virgin mother, a young virgin mother. And he grew up and he became a man. And you know, if you think about it, Jesus would have been very responsible for his mama later on in life after the death of Joseph. He would have been the man of the house, basically, so to speak. Responsible for his mama. And you, you ever think about this? Mary was more than likely, with 99, if not 100% certainty, the first convert that Jesus ever had. You ever think about that? She would have been the first person to believe his message. (laughs) She would have probably been the first person to see any miracles that he performed. Can you imagine raising this boy? (laughs) That would kind of be almost scary. But what a joy, what an honor. You remember when, gee, they left and, and the Passover's going on, busy, busy, everybody's busy. They go a little ways and they, hey, what, where's, where's Jesus? Did you leave him? So, I thought you were taking, no, I thought you were taking him. Well, he was teaching <laughs> in his father's house. And they find him like, Jesus, what are you doing? Where are you been? We've been looking all, we were scared. What does he say to them? Where did you think I would be? Than other than my father's house. You know, think about that. Wow. Would you stand with me today? The light has come into the world. Do we recognize it? Do we see it? Have we accepted it? Have we perceived it? Jesus, the light of life, the light of the world. He is the bread of life. He has so many names. The water of life. Amen? Let's close in prayer today. I'm going to say a little prayer here today. And as I do that, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and trusted him that the work that he did on the cross and the shedding of his blood, if you've never trusted him to forgive you of your sins and you've never asked him, then you can pray these words with me right out loud. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I recognize that I am a sinner, that I have disobeyed you, I know that I need a Savior. And today, I'm trusting you that the work that you did on the cross 
will save me from my sin. Thank you for giving yourself to die that I may live. From this day forward, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I know that you rose again on the third day, sealing my salvation. Help me to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen.